Amen. We're going to start a series this morning for the next four weeks on influence. Look at your neighbor and say influence. And this morning, the title of my message is Positioned for Influence. Positioned for Influence. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the freedom that's in this place. I thank you, God, for the lives that you're touching and you're changing. Father, I pray you would allow me to just preach this message with all truth, none of my own opinion, but all you. God, and give me the grace to deliver this message in such a way that every person leaves this place changed, wanting and knowing you more. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. I'm so excited about this series because it's one the Lord's been putting on my heart for a while, but he hadn't released me to, to speak on it yet until recently, and so I'm looking forward to doing it. Would you open your Bibles, or go, if you've got your phone or iPad or whatever it is, um, go to Matthew chapter 5. I just want to let you know, if you don't bring a Bible or an iPad or a tablet or something to church to follow along with, I encourage you to start doing it because it will help you when you're reading on your own. It's going to help create those habits in your life. Plus, you'll be able to make sure that I'm just not making stuff up. You'll be able to read it for yourself. So, I literally knew a guy who came to church, and that's why he brought his Bible to make sure the pastor wasn't lying. So, I mean, I'm not lying to you, but just in case, you know, you want to be sure. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. I'm going to read that again. You are the light of the world, and a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Before we can get far into this, we have to pull a few things out of this first verse out of the world to make sure we have an understanding correctly. Jesus said in John 8, 12, he says that I am the light of the world and all who believe in me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So Jesus is the light of the world. It's said multiple times, but he says it in John chapter 8, makes a very clear declaration that he says, I am the light of the world. But then here in Matthew 6, he says, you are the light of the world which seems in some cases a little contradictory or a little confusing. But creation explains this principle to us. When Jesus says that I am the light of the world, then he says you are the light of the world, what he's referring to is the same situation that happens between the sun and the moon. So we know that the moon does not produce its own light, doesn't have its own, project its own light at all. All the moon does is reflect the light of the sun. So when Jesus says that he's the light of the world, and I am the light of the world. All I am is reflecting his light off of me. So I don't possess any light in and of myself. All the light that I have comes from Jesus. So it's important to understand that, that the light that I'm talking about is Jesus. But then the second thing we really have to pull from this is, is and I don't want to overlook this or, or belittle this because it's a pretty big deal. Jesus calls us the light of the world me. He calls me the light of the world. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not consider myself to be the greatest human being that's ever walked the face of the earth. As you've, you've heard before, I do not do well when people drive in a way that I do not think they should drive. Yesterday morning, I am driving to the encounter. I am in the middle of praying in my truck, okay? I'm praying as I'm driving. And someone decided to get on the interstate from the Oak Harbor exit and go 45 miles an hour on the interstate. And I'm mid-prayer. Y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm praying, Lord, I thank you for today. 
you've got to be kidding me. Like instantly, just shifted instantly. So Jesus calls me to lot of the world, but I didn't feel very uh, lightish yesterday driving to the encounter retreat. So when Jesus calls me to lot of the world, I don't know about you, but I don't feel like I'm deserving of such a title. And if you think that you are, let me hang out with you for a little while. Let anyone hang out with you for a little while, and I'll we'll be like, ah, oh, that whole light thing, nah, it ain't working for you. I don't see it. If you think you're great, let me ask your spouse. If you think I'm great, ask Caitlin if I'm the light of the world. I'm not, I promise. But Jesus calls us the light of the world. If that doesn't make you understand how amazing his grace is, nothing will. He says, I am going to let the world see me through you. I don't, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because most of the time I'm like, no, through me. Like they're going to see a bunch of different things. They're not going to see a bunch of different things. They're going to see all these. I don't think they're going to see you through me. But he says, no, you are the light of the world. So when you walk out of here, if you're battling insecurity, if you're battling rejection, if you're battling not feeling good enough, and you know Jesus, he has picked you to be the light of the world. You. Right. You feel the same way about it that I do. I'm like, all right, I, I guess I trust you. The second thing here, before we move on, is it says a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, this is obviously referring to back in, in Bible days and even past that, when they would construct a city, they would always want to construct a city on some type of elevated ground for the sake of defense purposes and flooding purposes. They wanted to make sure the city was elevated so that it was safer. But also, when you were traveling, there were obviously no light poles. There's no, there's no electricity. So when you're traveling on the road at night, you're following this road, but you could look off in the distance and you could see the light from this city because the city was on a hill. See, when we're a city on a hill can't be hidden. What, what that's referring to is when the Holy Spirit is really on the inside of you, it can't be hidden. When he's really on the inside of you, it, it cannot be hidden. It can be denied, but it can't be hidden. Think about how dumb Peter looked when he's sitting by the fire while Jesus is in trial, and they're saying, hey, you're the guy with Jesus. And he's like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not I, I don't know Jesus. And they're like, no, no. We see you with him like all the time. Like, you're with no, no, it's not me. I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. See, you can deny that you're the light. But light is really obvious in the middle of darkness. I don't know if you knew that. When I was here after the hurricane, after Ida, and there was no electricity, when somebody had their lights hooked up to their generator, which a lot of the people in the back of my subdivision did, we had like four or five houses that had their generators on. And so you could see the back of the subdivision as soon as you turned in the street because it was the only thing lit up. It was so bright. When normally, if you drive down there tonight, it's not going to be bright at all. It's, not gonna, it's very no, inconsequential. But the whole point is, is the darker darkness is, the brighter light is. So even when you try to hide the fact because your Christianity might be inconvenient around certain people or you don't want them to really know what's going on in your heart, you can't hide it. You just deny it and then we kind of look foolish. Right? When we just look foolish, when we try not to let the light that's in us out. So we see all those things, and that's great. But I want to keep going a little bit further here. I want to go to verse 15. <clears throat> this is where we're going to really dive in, because we know we're the light of the world now, and we know we're a city that's set on a hill, and we cannot be hidden. Look at verse 15. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, 
When I was a kid, we used to sing this song, and you've probably heard of this little light. I'm going to let it shine. And our favorite part in children's church was hide it under a bushel. No! We'd all scream it as loud as we could. That was like our favorite part. And when I was a kid, and even till like a week ago, I really thought that that was kind of a, a, a dumb point. Because, of course, who lights a, a candle and puts it under a basket? Like, you're going to light something on fire. Right? Like, that's what I would think. Like, I'm gonna, like if I, it's Christmas time, I'm going to light a candle that smells good, and I'm going to just take one of my wife's decorative baskets and throw it on top, just because, sure, why not? You know, <clears throat> no, that would be really stupid. But that's not why that's written there. The reason it's written there is because the way they used to put the candles out back then was they would cover it. There was a, literally a basket in the house. It was a piece of furniture that was only used to put out, to extinguish the candle. So what they would do is they would take this basket. When it was time to go to sleep or whatever, they would cover the, the candle with the basket. So what Jesus is saying here is no one lights a candle to immediately put it out. No one lights a candle to, to waste the oil, to waste it. He, you automatically are not going to cover this light <clears throat> because that's wasting what you're doing. Now, the lamp is, is portable. It's an oil lamp or it's a big candle, and it was, it was movable. Now, if you look at the end of verse 15, it says it gives light to all who are in the house. The purpose lamp being lit is not for the lamp. The reason the lamp is lit is for everybody around the lamp. It's for everybody that, that comes into the room with the lamp. It's not for the lamp itself. Hear me out. This morning, I am not talking about Jesus being your light. Psalm 119, 105 says that your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. This is my lamp. This is my light right here. When I don't know where to go, when I'm, when I'm struggling, when I'm wrestling, this is what I turn to. This is what lights the path for me. It's what shows me where to go. So when Jesus is saying nobody puts a lamp under a basket, puts it on a lampstand so that all everybody who's in the house can see, the light that I'm talking about is for other people. It's not for us. So many times we think Christianity is only for us. How blessed can I be? How joyful can I be? How great can my life be? Let me give you this really quick, like, sub-message, okay? This is a sub-message that I'm not preaching today, even though it would be, be a lot of fun. I'm not going to do it today. Christianity, yes, it saves us from eternity without God. It saves us from eternity in hell, right? That happens. But the rest of the time we're here, it's not about us. It's not. Western Christianity and consumer Christianity have made Christianity. How can I make Christianity best fit me? When biblical Christianity is how can I cause myself to fit Christianity? Cause myself to fit the image of Christ. So we have to understand that there are going to be seasons when you might not feel very blessed but you're still the light. There's going to be seasons when you might not feel full of joy, but you're still the light. There are going to be seasons when you might not feel like everything is going the way it should, but you're still the light because you're the light of the world. And a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. It doesn't say the city only is bright and it can't be hidden when it's feeling good, when it's having a good day. No, it's always set on a hill and it's always visible. <clears throat> See, a lot of people think that coming to church is for, is for people who are weak and just can't get it together. 
Let me tell you something. Coming to church is the most manly, tough, masculine, internal strength thing you could ever possibly do. You know why? Because we abandon the ability to fix things ourselves. We, we give that up and we give it to Jesus. So what we're talking about this morning is that Jesus is our lamp, but when he lights us, we're for other people because his word is my lamp. Now, a common Jewish home were really one large room. So they had one lampstand and one lantern or one candle. Because we'll go back to verse 15. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. I've, I've kind of skipped this little phrase till right now. But on a lamp stand. As I just said, common Jewish home was one room. They had one lampstand. But a business, uh, the temple, a military barracks, or a wealthier home had more than one room in it. But because oil was such a valuable commodity... They would have multiple lampstands, but one lamp. So what would happen would be when you were working in one room and it was time to move to the next room, you wouldn't go to the next room and light a different lamp. You would take the lamp off the lampstand in one room and you would carry it to the other room and you would put it on the other lampstand. So that now the light has moved from this room to this room and anyone who comes in it, they can see. So talking about being positioned for influence. This is what I'm talking about, is that a light, when he would light, when he would light the lamp, it was to be placed on a lampstand. Here's the deal. Jesus does not light you just to burn for burning's sake. He doesn't light you just to say that there's another person who serves me. No, he lights you and then has a position he wants to put you in. He has a place that he has predestined your light to shine. There are seasons that he has selected you and your light to shine. But Pastor Chris, I don't need to go to church to be the light. I don't need to go to church to, to, to shine or I don't need to be connected. I don't need to be positioned to be the light. No, you don't, but you're also a fire hazard. Because see, these, these homes, they were not made of the stuff that our homes were made of, right? So the reason they had to have lampstands is because in the middle of the night, if you're living and you get up and you're walking around and your kid has to go to use the restroom outside and the lamp's just on the ground, the kid's wiping his eyes, he kicks the lamp, the house burns down. So there has to be a lampstand. See, what, we don't, what people don't realize is that when you're a Christian that only knows how to serve Jesus under your own definition, you're a fire hazard. You're designed to bring light to the world, but all we really do is cause fires in the house of God. And we wonder why, man, church is just a mess. It is. just messy people in it. We understand. But the bottom line is this, is that he doesn't just light a lamp sticking on the ground. He doesn't light a lamp to just let it sit there and burn. There's a position for that lamp. There's a place that he decided, that's where I want that lamp to burn. Because Jesus is uninterested in destroying things. He's the author of life. I've met many Christians who I believe they're born again. I believe they love the Lord. But when it comes to being connected and being positioned and being a part of what God is doing, they get really iffy. And I don't want to do that because, you know, I don't believe that's what God has for me. Well, what does God have for you? Well, God just wants me to kind of go around and be a blessing. No, he don't. 
Because Hebrews says to not forsake the, the gathering together with the brethren. It says to be connected to a local body. Well, I'm connected to my local body at my house with my family. No, no, no. Your family needs to be connected to a local body. See, going to church is not just some enterprise. It's not just some business. It's a biblical command. That, which is why we'll never close these doors again. But what I'm saying is, is that there are people in, you may be here this morning and you might be wrestling with this point. I'm not trying to, to beat you up. I'm letting you know that your light is missing an opportunity to be more influential. Your light is missing the reason it was lit. Let's keep going a little further. There's a specific place. Now, earlier I mentioned how the bigger homes and businesses had multiple lampstands in different rooms. I believe, I'm going to kind of sum everything up. I'm not going to be too long this morning. This was a short message because all the stuff we had going on. But I'm going to sum everything up in two points. We have two rooms. I believe we have two rooms. We could, we could make it detailed. We could go split it and, and, and split hairs and go. This morning we're going to have two rooms. We have two rooms that you and I have been positioned. We have positions to shine in. The first room is who I am. That's the first room. All my relationships. So here's the deal. <clears throat> when I'm home, my lamp is hung on the lampstand of husband and father. My light has to shine from that perspective for everybody else in the house. Because if my light's not shining at home, if my kids don't see daddy as who God says daddy should be, they'll end up on an encounter 15 years from now needing deliverance. No, my kids need to see that daddy is shining. And when I look at daddy, he looks like Jesus. Yeah, he's got mistakes. Yeah, he, he has his issues from time to time. But daddy does his best to look like Jesus. See, I've got to be positioned that way. I can't just be lit and then live out the way I think I should serve Jesus. No, I have to be a husband the way the Bible says to be a husband. I have to be a father the way the Bible says to be a father. I can't change those definitions and expect God to bless it. Who I am. When I go to work, see, when I leave my house in the morning, I grab my lamp. And when I get here to the office, it gets hung on this lampstand. And now I'm pastor, I'm leader, I'm spiritual father, I'm son, I'm brother. It's a bunch of different, different, different relationships. So now my lamp burns differently. It has a different purpose. But it doesn't mean that I can just be careless with it. I can't walk in here and say my job is only to preach. I can't walk in here and say my job is only to go, uh, do it, go fishing or whatever. I don't know. That's, no, my job is to be on that lampstand and give light to anybody who's around me. Then I leave, I leave here. And I, we go get lunch. And I walk in the wild or I walk in the Brewster's or I walk in the Crave. And guess what? I got my lamp. There's a lampstand there too. I got to put it up. If they're slow with my food, I can't throw a fit. Sometimes I feel bad for all waiting staff who work Sunday afternoons. Because a whole bunch of self-righteous, holier-than-thou people leave doing a religious performance and go to a restaurant and complain because the mayo isn't right. No, no, I got my lamp with me. So when I go to the restaurant, 
They need to, the light needs to be seen by everybody in the room. They should know that there's something different about me. And if they don't know by any other way, they're going to know by how I tip them. They're going to know. Because I'm supposed to be different. I'm supposed to be the light of the world. See, we don't, this is the, see, this is the thing we got to realize. When you walk into a room, when you walk into a business, when you walk into your classroom, when you, you don't know how much darkness those people are surrounded by. So when you walk in carrying your lamp, when you walk in and you're putting your lamp in position, you might be the only light they see all week. You might be the only light they've seen all year. You might be the only light they've seen. And guess what? It doesn't matter if you're the only light because all it takes is one encounter with Jesus and everything can change. So everywhere I go, there are people need to benefit from my light. There are people who need to benefit from the light that's on the inside of me. And there are so many Christians. We, we, we drop this ball. I'm just going to be honest. I do it too. We drop this ball. Because the second part, the second room we get into is what I do. See, the first one is who I am. The second one is what I do. See, when I come here, I'm pastor. When you go to work, that this is your function. It isn't your identity. It's what you do. So you're a teacher, you're a plumber, you're a construction worker, you're an IT technician, you're a banker, you're all these different things you do throughout the day. That's what you do. So you carry your lamp, you show up to work. I'm going to go here. It's real, real hard for people to see the light when it shows up late. It's real hard to see the light. I know this because the last job I had before I was full-time in ministry, I worked there for four years. I was the light for six months because for three and a half years, I was so miserable that every day I went in and people were surprised to see me on a platform at church. Like, wait, him? He hates his, he hates his life. No, I just hated my life between nine and six. But my light wasn't shining there. See, I was one of those Christians that thought I could just keep my light in a truck during the day. I didn't need to put it on that lampstand. Let me tell you something. When I, finally, when I finally got over myself and realized that I had a duty to shine for people in that room, the job got better. The same job, same bad pay, same rough situation. didn't matter. The job got better. Why? Because now I realized that, wait, I'm light. This person may not see light all week. Matter of fact, I know some of the people I was working with didn't see light. I was working in a pawn shop. P-A-W-N, pawn. The accent screws that up sometimes. Pawn shop. My poor grandma, the first time I told her I was working in a pawn shop, she's like, what? <laughs> but when I finally realized why he put me there, oh, y'all got to catch this. Some of you are wondering why God hasn't moved you out of the season of life and the job you're in, the place you're in. It's because you haven't put your light on a lampstand long enough for him to get glory out of you being there. There's an assignment for you there. And the, long, the longer we keep our lamp unlit, the longer we hide it, the longer we put it under a the longer we reject the assignment, the longer he's going to keep us there because he cares more about your integrity as a Christian than your, uh, than your, your happiness as a human being. So he will keep you in an unhappy situation to teach you that the light is required in all situations and circumstances. So this is what happens. We find ourselves in these positions where it's who I am and it's what I do. 
My light is required in all those places. I got one more thing I want to talk about. Because some of you, we all know that life goes through seasons, right? Hear me out. Seasons affect my capacity to shine and the focus of my shining, but not my ability to shine. Say that again. Seasons affect my capacity to shine and the focus of my shining, the focus of my light. But it does not change the fact that I'm supposed to shine. And here's what I mean by that. When you go through a health crisis, when you're battling a disease, when you're battling cancer, when you're battling, uh, you got to have surgery and you're laid up for a while, you're obviously hindered on where you can hang your lamp. Rather, you, you, you can't go do the things you normally do. So your lamp is limited in the capacity, but it's not limited in its ability to shine. Because in a situation like an illness, all there is around you is darkness. That's all that's around you. I will tell this story as long as I live. We had a man that came to church when I was a kid. His name was Brother Bramlett. He used to sit right with Brother Paul. He used to sit in the second row behind Pastor Carl every Sunday. And he would, when we would worship and we, he'd have his hands up, he'd, he would, it almost looked like he was doing a workout when he worshiped because he would squeeze his hands like this real tight today were white and he would open them and he would like everything was a flex everything and he had cancer i forgot what kind of cancer it was but it, it, it wore him down it wanted him long drawn out just wore him down to skin and bones and he was in the hospital and i'm sure you i'm sure brother man you went to see him different different people from the church would go see him and they would walk in to encourage brother bramlett and when they got in they would leave weeping because he was so full of the joy of the lord They'd walk in, and he'd be mid-chorus of a worship song, hooked up to chemo, hooked up to morphine. He's got his hands in the air worshiping Jesus. Why? He was the only light on the whole block. But nobody who saw him in the hospital will ever say he wasn't burning. Nobody will. Yes, his capacity might have been limited. No, he couldn't do the ministry he used to do. He couldn't be involved in the ways he wanted to be involved. The, 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 the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He wanted to be involved. He couldn't do that because of his, his season, because of his condition. But it did not change the fact that he was still shining. Listen carefully. The season that you are going through, great or difficult, does not stop or prevent you from shining. The only thing that prevents you from shining is putting it under a basket. That's it. Now, some seasons come and go. They're part of life, and they require more focus. So they limit your capacity. Being a new, a new parent, being a new mom. You're not as available to do ministry. You're not as available to be a part of, what, of what's going on in the ministry, and you miss events, you miss life, you miss different things because you have your baby in the house, right? Maybe, maybe you're, you're, you're getting older, and your, your body's just not cooperating with you anymore, and you're slowing down, and, and, and you can't do the things that you wanted to do. That does not mean that you're less of a light. All it's doing is changing the capacity in which you're able to shine. I can tell you this. I can remember when we first had Addison, I tried to be the good dad. And when the baby would wake up, I would try to like hold her from time to time. She didn't want me. Um, but I would try. And there would be other times when I would, she would wake up and I couldn't go back to sleep. And I'd be sitting there thinking, I'm just going to be so tired tomorrow. 
I didn't get nothing done. Well, my, that's ridiculous. And finally, the Holy Spirit said, how about you just pray? So you know what I started doing? Every time the baby would wake me up and I couldn't make sleep, I would just start praying. I'll just start praying for people. Why? No, my light may have not been shining in public for that person, but that thing was on the lampstand. It was positioned right, and I was going to town for the souls of young people all over this parish. Why? Because that's where I was positioned at that time. No, I could not be out with them, but I could be on my knees praying for them. It changed my capacity to shine, but not my ability to shine. Then... You get to other times when you may not need to be as zero focused on something. Maybe you're a newlywed. Maybe you're, maybe you're an empty nester. Maybe you're a college student and you've got more time on your hands than you know what to do with. All that means is that you've got a whole bunch of oil and you've got a whole bunch of darkness and you can shine that thing all over the place. If you don't know where to shine it, come see me. I've got plenty of things I can do with you. Plenty of things to do. Caitlin Mazarak called me two weeks ago. Pastor Chris, are we doing any more food service at the church? We're doing more. I, I need to do something. I'm off of work. I can't work right now. We no power at the shop. Like, I need to do something. I can't just sit at home. So I said, I, we're not doing it here, but I can, give you, I, can, I can get you a phone call. She drove to Laplace every day. Why? Because she had a light that needed to shine. And she found a stand. See, some of us are saying we're waiting for a particular position to shine. I'm only going to shine if I get the microphone. I'm only going to shine if I can be a life group leader. I'm only going to shine if I can do this. No, find a lampstand and shine. Because there are people that are going to come in contact with you that need light. They need light. And here's the deal. The kids that you're praying for, the husband that you're praying for, the, the wife that you're praying for to give their life to Jesus... Yeah, you're shining your light at home. But I, I'm, I, I believe Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall be also. I believe that applies in so many different places. I promise you, when you find yourself putting your lampstand in other places, putting your lamp on lampstands or other places and shining for other people, God's going to send other people with lamps to your spouse, to your children, to, your, to the people you're believing God for. Somebody else is going to interact with them. And you're going to turn around one day and be like, who were you in the kitchen with me? Man, God had this new guy get working with us. He drives me nuts. All he does is preach all day long. Then three weeks later, hey, help me read the Bible. I don't know how to do it. He's getting me to read the Bible. That's how it happens. Are you positioned? Are you on a lampstand? Because, see, here's the close. Ready? I didn't read this verse yet. Go to Matthew 5, 16. This is to all of us. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and what? Not pat you on the back. Not, not say how great of a person you are, how philanthropic you are, how amazing of a neighbor you are. No, so that they may glorify your Father in heaven. That's the goal at the end of the day. Last thing I'm going to say is this. Some of you may be here. And you may be struggling with, I don't even know what lampstand I'm supposed to be on. I don't even know. I know Jesus is here and I want to do something. I don't know what to do. Here's what I can tell you first off. Those two rooms, who you are, what you do, those are the places you start. But you have giftings. You have, you have abilities. You have things that you could be doing for the kingdom. I'm convinced 
that one of the things that has been missing in the church for years is people who have the ability, they have the light to help finance and fund the gospel. I believe there are people who are called and created to simply serve and clean and prepare food and and shower people with southern hospitality. You may say, well, Pastor Chris, that, that seem as bright of a light as yours. Trust me. Never stood up here and preached. Because I promise you, sometimes I think people would much more appreciate a big gigantic pot of spaghetti and meatballs than listening to me preach. I can promise that. Stop saying your light's not good enough. Stop saying this lamp and where he wants to put me is not enough. Trust him that he knows what he's doing with you. Are you positioned for influence because here's the catch somebody was positioned for you somebody was in position for you somebody had their lamp burning and was in a position that you saw Jesus see for me it was mom and dad that's it wasn't a preacher wasn't a pastor what, I mean, she was a pastor, but not like that. What's about in a, with a microphone? His mom and dad. That's it. You may say, well, Pastor Chris, how'd that happen? I can tell you how it happened. It happened. One morning, we're getting up to go to school. Me and Cody, because Cliff was real young, me and Cody are not listening. We're fighting. We're arguing. And mom gets upset, and she yells at us, because that's what moms do, right? I mean, if y'all ain't ever yelled at your kids, you ain't trying hard enough. <laughs> it's normal. See, every kid experiences that. You know what most kids didn't get to experience? On the way to school, mama apologizing and praying for me. See, that's what most kids don't get to experience. I found myself doing the same thing two weeks ago. Girls weren't listening. We're running a little late. I had to get loud to get them to listen. Addison gets upset if you look at her wrong. So she starts crying. Daddies, you know what that does. At first, you don't want to let it get you aggravated because you knew you were right to be aggravated, but now you're upset because you made her upset. And, and it's this whole emotional whirlwind and you you want to be tough and I can't be I can't apologize because then she won't listen next time no I apologized and prayed on the way to school why because that's the light that I was shown because somebody was burning for me see it may not have been your mom and dad it may have been your friend it may have been your brother's friend it may have been your co-worker it may have been your spouse somebody burned for you who are you burning and shining for